Hello, and welcome to another podcast from the Royal College of Psychiatrists. I'm Dr. Chrissy Boardman, and today I'm talking to Professor Sue Bailey, President of the Royal College of Psychiatrists. Hello. I know in one of your previous interviews, Sue, that you talked about uh, the role of the psychiatrist or making good psychiatrist was listening, listening, listening. Um, is that true for the role of being the president too? Absolutely. Um, I hope I'm doing enough listening, but combined with that, there comes a point when I've listened and I've learnt where on behalf of all the members, um, I have to uh, make a judgment call and make the difficult decisions sometimes around policy and what's going on around services and how we can shape policy and services to ensure things are best for our users and carers. Okay, but I think there is, there's sometimes a bit of difficulty about how campaigning the college can be um, versus its role in sort of communicating and things. Do you see that the college is having a campaigning role? We've got the issue that we, we do have charitable status and we are a royal college, but you know we can't actually function in this world if we want to do best for our patients unless we do do some informed campaigning we may want to use other partners to do the more active lobbying that may be seen as political but we, we have to be at this table and we have to be part of this activity and i mean we have there are a number of issues around um you know very topical political issues at the moment um how do you think we can best help protect our patients from the cuts that are around I think, first of all, we have to be brave enough to collect the information. Um, one of the problems is is that when we present this information about cuts, it's reinterpreted by others, including government, as reconfiguration and other things. But I think we need to follow the example of the Royal College of Nursing, where they have shown there are cuts. And that's just what I'm about to start to do with the other leaders in mental health, from psychology, OT, mental health learning, and mental health um, nurses and uh, the social services. Is there any way that we can support you with that particularly? Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm asking you to, to let me know of things that you think may be cuts and what I'm coming across is that when a consultant retires a locum has been, been put in place and then when another consultant retires within two years in the same service they would replace it with one consultant. So we are getting reduced numbers getting evidence and multidisciplinary teams that have been reduced to numbers where they can't conceivably carry out the job, not, not even about doing it well, but doing it safely. And at the end of the day, we've got a duty to our patients. So I need you to tell me um, we're having a freedom of information exercise to the trust to find out what their spending is going to be on mental health over the next uh, three years. Um, we've already learnt that um, one SHA has fired money from mental health services to oncology, which had been the other way around, would have been uh, page one news in all the national papers, but because it's mental health, there's been barely any coverage. So we really do now have to speak up and speak out without mm. fear or favour. Okay. I know one of the achievements of um, in your role as president is getting the amendment to the Health and Social Care Bill about the parity of uh, mental health and physical health. Um, so do, what does that amendment do? It, it allows us to use this as a lever, whether it's at the level of, of national commissioning or specialist commissioning or local commissioning, where we see that, that um, mental health services are being denuded at, at the expense of others. We can, we can actually refer them back to the legislation and say, well, actually, this is enshrined in legislation. This should not be happening. 
equally it's a huge opportunity to improve the physical health of our patients because we know that the men die 20 years younger and the women 15 mm. years younger if they have serious mental illness. So this is a real opportunity for us to improve what we do around physical health care and a huge opportunity for us to persuade our colleagues across medicine that by attending to the mental health problems of their patient group, we can improve their outcomes. And that means that we're very cost effective to other people. I know, I mean, things are changing very fast. You're very actively involved with all these political debates that are going on at the moment. How can we in the college stay up to date with that? Um... This is really difficult. I mean, every president um, says that what they want to do is have better contact with every member and a, and a, a dinner of the live past presidents. Um, they all said this is the thing they found most difficult. So and I think my attempt to do this is using the blog where I do try and tell you as best I can what's happening day to day. But I need you to feed back to me and I will use that information. So I'm going to use the blog. Um, I think it's the quickest, most direct way to do things. Uh, comms will tweet, so acute things or things you need to know about in the next week will be there. So I'm afraid I'm going to use the blog, so you're going to have to get used to me blogging. <laughs> and it's easy to access on the website? Um, I understand it's very easy. Even I can access <laughs> it on the website, which is a test of how easy it is to access. Uh, and I do want you to read it and I do want you to sort of feed back to me. Uh, and it is my way, my easiest way of communicating. I mean, I do travel around the country. I go to divisions, I go to faculties. I'm going to meet uh, mental health trust boards. I found that very helpful. Meeting groups of medical directors, the voluntary sector. But, but actually communicating with you, the members, uh, it needs to be through the blog and through how divisional and faculty chairs communicate with you at ground level okay i mean one of the other campaigns that you've started as well is the resilient resilience and recovery campaign and there's a role for us in the college as, as well as um... this is going to be the easiest campaign ever because resilience and recovery actually covers everything you do on a day-to-day -day basis at work between nine to five but also being creative people any projects you're involved with outside work whether it's giving input into schools whether you're a magistrate whatever else these are all projects you're doing I don't want to make this a big struggle for you just tell me about the great innovative things you're doing and literally I'm going to market them for you because that's what we need to do you'll never find a self-deprecating surgeon and we need to get over ourselves and we need to be more positive about how we sell ourselves we have a good evidence base our treatments as good as anybody else we're very diverse which is a good thing but a challenge because you know how do we in a sentence say this is what a psychiatrist does because that's one of our recruitment challenges mm -hmm. so let me know the fantastic things you're doing and I will market them. Excellent but also I know that you um, spend quite a lot of time traveling um, you've got quite a lot of international and uh, European links as well um, do you feel there's a value to that? Absolutely, uh, and I'm not like some of my predecessors. I don't find travel easy, so don't think I'm just going on my holidays. It actually knocks me out afterwards. But what it what it's really about is making the links. We still lead the way in psychiatry on many aspects of psychiatry, particularly our training, and it's a huge opportunity uh, for us to, to start looking at how we can run the exams in other places. We're already doing it in Hong Kong. We'd love to do it in India. We'd love through Spain to do it in South America. And this has to be good for the reputation of the college, will improve standards across the world of psychiatry. We, we, we lead in terms of public education and working with users and carers. 
so it is a very important part of the college's work but I think sometimes maybe in general the, the, the members don't quite understand that but it, it is really important we are still well respected out there and we want to keep that respect and we want to build on it mm. and we, we've got nearly 3,000 international members and, and we want to help and support them and they're great advocates for us in other countries just talking a little bit about travelling, uh, Sheila Hollins was on <laughs> Desert Island Discs at the weekend. It's great to have uh, psychiatry represented on such an iconic programme. Um, it was fantastic to hear her and Gwen Adshead, uh, and it sort of typifies to me what women can do when they get out there. Uh, because in a very subtle way, by just describing their, their life stories and what they dedicated their life work to, they actually told the public about the qualities that we're looking for in psychiatrists. And, and Sheila you used a, a lot of conversations about her family. Uh, and that, that's really, um, again, it, it, it was great to listen to. And it would have been a great deal, both of them, to actually say to the public, this is what psychiatry is about, this is what its worth is, and that's why you need us. And that's why... Um, Students at school contemplating doing psychology should, in fact, do medicine and do psychiatry. Mm. And you've talked as well about having a number of women in top roles where they can have an influence. And that is particularly true at the moment, isn't it, in the across it, it, colleges? It, it's great at the moment. We've got public health, general practice, shortly to have paediatrics and myself as four female presidents in very much the social care and cutting-edge science part of medicine. Um, we're meeting together and we've agreed that we're going to look at families but we're going to look at the impact of the recession on families both families we know that are at risk that have been living in poverty in the breadline and may have mental health problems in the family but also this is hitting people who never thought they would have a problem and we know from our public health work and public education that more and more people are at this tipping point where they're going to have mental health problems because of the recession, because of fear of redundancy and actual redundancy. And, and we need to look at how we can support them. And I need to know from you whether you think those referrals of that group of people who never otherwise would be referred to services are coming to you. Thank you very much.